Hi everyone, I hope you're really well this week. Welcome to another episode of the Motherkind podcast with me, your host, Zoe Blasky, where each week I chat about all things motherhood and well-being. My mission with this podcast is to help you reconnect to you, to feel happier, more joyful, calmer and more alive, whatever that looks like for you. So maybe this podcast is going to inspire you to look at your health and self-care. Maybe it's thinking about your career and making work work for you. Maybe it's looking at your relationships or your relationship with yourself and finally addressing that inner critic and making a commitment to being kinder to yourself. So I chat to all sorts of well-being experts and game changers to help you become your healthiest, happiest and most alive version of you because that is what I think is the most inspiring thing to become for our children. Hi everyone, I hope you're really well this week. This week I am chatting to Gail Mara. So Gail is a hypnotherapist. She practices out of Harley Street and Tunbridge Wells. She is also a mother and a grandmother. So we have such an interesting conversation. We talk a lot about the power of the mind. And Gail says, when your mind is right, everything else follows. I've got dopamine, oxytocin, serotonin, endorphins. I have all of that in abundance. So I don't really need to go to the pharmacy and get that extra. I need to learn how to call it forward. And then I need to learn how to call it in at will and recognise when I'm stressed. So we talk about her story. She's got an absolutely fascinating story of her early motherhood experiences where she got divorced when her first daughter was three. So we talk about that process and what that was like for her. We also talk about how stress manifested for her, which was in hypochondria, and what she did about that, the turning point and the light bulb moment in her life. I didn't know why I was feeling so stressed and anxious and why I became a hypochondriac. But when I started to look in, I had a lot of forgiveness to do. I had things to work on in my past and my upbringing. So we talk loads about the power of the mind, about working from within instead of working from without, you know, thinking about what we can change within ourselves to feel better. So Gail talks us through brilliantly the power of the subconscious mind, what that means and how we can use it to feel happier and calmer and yeah, less anxious. So I really hope you enjoy it. I think Gail gives a really interesting perspective because she is older than many of the people that I've chatted to on the podcast which I think is a wonderful thing so I hope you really enjoy it if you did as ever let me know and leave a review on iTunes and share with your friends here it is so Gail welcome to the podcast thank you it's lovely to be here and this is your first ever podcast. Yes, it is. I'm very honoured. I'm very honoured. Thank you. <laughs> I'm very honoured. Yeah, it's all new to me, so I'm really grateful to be here. Oh, it's lovely to have you. So I was digging around on your website last night, doing a bit of stalking, as mm, I do. Like you do. And I was really struck by your story. Thank you. Of what it was like for you when you had your young children. Mm. So can you tell us a bit about that? Sure. I had my... Children quite young. I was quite young in today's terms, I suppose. So I had my daughter when I was 20. I was working full-time in the city then, in banking. And that was in 1983. So after I had my daughter, I had two years off. 
and then began to go a little gaga, talking about nappies and throw cushions and things that were less interesting to me than I've been used to this busy, busy lifestyle and have two years at home and I thought I've got to do something else. I've got to get back to work, which I did and I went back part-time, back into finance because that was my background. And within the year, I fell pregnant with my son. But I should have said in the middle of that, in between that, I got divorced. So that was interesting. Well, that's important. So, <laughs> yeah, so my son has a different father. So here I was. So you had a two-year-old? She was three and a half by the time I had my son. Okay. Yes. And can I ask you about the process of divorce and how you Mm. coped with that? Because Mm. a lot of my listeners will have gone through that, will be going through that, or maybe thinking about going through that. So how did you know that you couldn't continue in that marriage? I've always been pretty reactive fairly reactive and I got married when I was 19 and I've got did you I didn't know myself when I was 19 nor did I see I knew it would upset my mother so is that why you did it (laughs) more or less sorry mum no she knows I left home very early I left school early and I got married early and I had my first child early and then I got divorced early. So I did all this kind of thing and I wasn't afraid. But after I had my daughter, I knew that the marriage was kind of puppy love. I knew it wasn't an adult mature relationship. Whereas we thought we'd go traveling and let's do all this thing and put the baby in a backpack and we can back carry on a backpack. But mm. the reality thought, is very different. It's very, it? very different. And I think I just woke up one morning and just thought, oh my goodness, I'd be better doing this on my own because it felt as though I had two children to bring up, you know, and coaching my then husband through parenting. And it was new to me too. So back then also I had a C-section with my daughter and Back then in the 80s, they'd keep you in hospital for two weeks after a cesarean section. Wow. I was grateful because I thought, you can't send me home with this little human. I don't know what I'm doing. My mother worked full time and she wasn't that supportive. Anyway, so the divorce process, when I think back at that, I just went through it by the seat of my pants, to be honest with you. Were you scared? I have to say, yes, I was. But I was so focused on my daughter and I knew what was right for her. Yeah. So during that time, and then I found that I was right because there'd be times when visitations came into play and my daughter would be ready to go and visit her dad and he wouldn't show up or he'd been out the night before. And then one time a friend called and said, oh, he's gone travelling in India. So he was irresponsible. Actually, I love him to this day. I have a love for him. He's a great guy. You could never say a bad word against him, but he's completely irresponsible to this day. He's a bit of an old tippy. So it was a young hippie But then. you did well to, instead of putting all your energy and focus in trying to change and train him, yeah. you did well, actually, in saying he is who he is. Thank and you. And I'm going to... Because a lot of people that I see and sometimes coach mm. aren't able to do that. They try and change the other or get frustrated at the other or resentful at the other. Exactly. So you had an acceptance, actually. I think I've always been that way. I've always tried to change me rather than change my environment or other people because you just can't do that. It doesn't work that way. So I always try and change me. But I must say, just before I'd met my son's father, I had a period of hypochondria. And I know now that it was stress and anxiety. You see, I didn't feel stressed and anxious. I felt very in control. I was focused. I worked. I brought up my child on my own. I owned my own property. I bought my own home when I was 18. 
So I was very focused, but inwardly, I was like a duck on the water, so calm on the exterior, but underneath the feet are going 100 miles an hour. I think a lot of people will relate to that. And I think a lot of people relate to not feeling stressed, but actually the body giving you signs. So how did the hypochondria manifest? I went to a playgroup once with my young daughter and some friends, and there was a young mother there who had an illness... And I began to ask about her symptoms and back then before the internet, you see. So I then went to the library with my daughter in the pram and started reading medical books and thinking, oh my goodness, well, I have that. I can feel that. And then I started to panic and worry. So I started to go to the doctors all the time. And my doctor, I actually knew him before he became my doctor. He's only a couple of years older than me. Lovely guy. And he, because I was going so often, one day he locked the door and he said, you're not leaving until you tell me what it is you think is wrong with you. And I just broke down. I said, everything. I'm sure I'm going to die. I'm sure I'm not going to be here for my daughter. I'm sure all these awful things were happening. And he said, you're stressed. I said, I'm not. I'm really controlled. I'm, I feel fine. But there you go. So that was my epiphany moment, if you'd like, saying, OK, Gail, you're stressed, you're anxious, you've got to do something. So... He wrote me a prescription, Valium back then. I don't know if they still do Valium now. I got home and thought, I can't go down this road. I don't want to have this kind of support. I can be strong. And yeah, I kind of talked myself around. I never took the... Actually, that's not true. I did take the Valium for a short period. It made me feel completely spaced out. And then I flushed them and started to research and study and read about the power of the mind and how I knew that I could take control. I realized that I'm not out of control. Everything's under control, if that makes sense. Yeah, and that was my light bulb moment. And I went on to have another relationship and my son. That relationship didn't work for me. That took me a little bit longer to get out of, but I did. And I worked full time through that. And then by the time my son was maybe three or four, I was a single parent to two children, working full time and paying a mortgage. And what was your mental health like at this point? Great. Yeah. Strong again. And I've never gone back and I would never go back. So if someone's listening who is relating to the version of Gail, who Mm. was the swan, and it might be manifesting in hypochondria, it might be more obvious it might be panic attacks it might be any other ways that our body tells us we're Mm. stressed for me interestingly what happens is that my mind scatters okay I feel it scatter yeah so when I'm stressed I know because I can't focus on one thing at any one time yeah really interesting but if someone's relating to that Mm. version of you and maybe they've been to the doctor and they might have been prescribed antidepressants Mm. or beta blockers I think today get prescribed quite a lot what would you say to them oh It's not my place to give medical advice at all, and I would never dream of doing that. And everyone's different, and everything works differently for people. So orthodox medicine has its place. Antidepressants has its place. But I would encourage anyone and everyone to work from within rather than work from without. So rather than bringing something in externally, an example would be with any medication that anybody's taking that's using antidepressants in this instance, if there's no receptor in the brain for that chemical, 
whether you're taking something with dopamine or serotonin or whatever it happens to be, you have to have a receptor in order for that to stick to anything. So that says to me, well, then I've got plenty of that in my brain already. I've got dopamine, oxytocin, serotonin, endorphins. I have all of that in abundance. So I don't really need to go to the pharmacy and get that extra. I need to learn how to call it forward. And then I need to learn how to call it in at will and recognize when I'm stressed and do what I've got to do to start releasing those happy chemicals rather than adrenaline and cortisol and those things that make you ready for action, make you tense, confrontational or sad or depressed, anxious, lonely, all of those things. My advice would always be, if you're going to take medication, fine, but look to help yourself also. And that really that's going to be about relaxation, inner work, being introspective, really being honest with yourself, looking at how you can change rather than how other things can change. Mm. And of course, antidepressants, more often than not, will make people feel lethargic. And funny enough, some of the side effects of these antidepressants is depression. Isn't that interesting? No, I didn't know <laughs> yeah, that. some of the side effects will be the symptoms that you're actually looking to damp down it's like putting a band-aid or a plaster on on the problem so what did you learn you talked about inner work and that's something Mm. we talk about almost Mm. every episode on this podcast Mm. so what did you learn when you started to delve into your inner world what were some of the insights that you had about your attitude and the way you were using your mind that weren't helping you and how did you change those things that weren't helping me okay my inner self-talk and I would pay more attention to my thoughts and what I would say for instance I would hear myself saying sometimes I catch myself today and I have to rewind I'll say something like knowing my luck this is going to go horribly wrong but luck is a positive word isn't it so I would change that and say knowing my luck and I'd stop myself this is going to go really well and it sounds really simple but it is that simple so everything we do and the way we are is habitual it's become a habit So your habits can be negative or they can be positive. The subconscious mind doesn't know the difference between the two, doesn't distinguish, doesn't differentiate. So if you have a negative thought, okay, well, you can get some negative vibes going on. If you have a positive thought, then you have the positive vibes going on. So how you talk about yourself, how you talk to yourself, instead of, I don't want this, I don't want that, I don't want this. I can't cope, I'm so stressed. Exactly. I want this. I am confident. I am happy. So the positive, if you think mostly about the things you don't want, likely you're going to attract more of what you don't want by virtue of your subconscious mind making you more aware of those things that you don't want. And I'll give you an opposite example, for instance, when you're pregnant, I don't know about you, but I can speak for me when I was pregnant, suddenly everyone I saw was pregnant, just pregnancy all around me. That's called the reticulating act activating system right yes it is absolutely some people might call it the the law of attraction Mm. I mean it's but I like what you said much (laughs) much better much more impressive yeah absolutely I got some knowledge you got some good ones there which is what you focus on is what you see effectively as I understand it absolutely believe that I see it I've experienced it yeah and it's not just as easy as positive thinking Hmm. because that's all very well and good affirmations they have the place they're great but your subconscious mind wants to work on your feeling 
rather than your thinking. So you talked about subconscious a few times. Mm. Let's just go right back to basics. Mm. So we've got a conscious mind and a subconscious mind. Our subconscious mind rules the show effectively. So tell us a bit about that subconscious mind just for okay. just for anyone who maybe hasn't read about this or hasn't yeah. experienced hypnotherapy which works on the subconscious well the subconscious mind is that part of you i often refer to it as it's that part of you that looks out from behind those eyes it's the part of you that does your breathing grows your hair your nails it's the part of you that beats your heart that digests your food, that does everything without you having to give it instruction. But it will also act on your instruction. Your subconscious mind is never in abeyance. It's never asleep. Your conscious mind sleeps only when you're in that delta deep sleep mode. Otherwise, it's there chitter-chatter, chitter-chatter. But subconscious mind is going 365, 24-7. Now they've connected, in fact, I've known it for many years and people in my industry have known it for many years. Sages have known it for thousands of years. The mind-body connection. Yeah. The subconscious mind and the gut. So when you have a gut feeling, your instinct, that's your subconscious mind giving you a clue or a direction or a push or a shove in the right direction. Very often what happens is we start then to apply doubt or reason or fear comes From our in. conscious mind. Exactly. I was reading a book recently. In fact, I've not quite finished it. It's called The Chimp Paradox. Oh, yeah. Have you heard of it? Yeah, I, Dr. Stephen. I can't name. remember his name. Yeah. Isn't that ridiculous? I pick the book up every day. And I really like his analogy about the chimp and the human. So the chimp being the bit that takes us off course, the naughty part of us or the distracting part of us. So the human might say, oh, you're sitting in traffic. Someone cuts you up and the human part of you would just say, oh, you know he's in a hurry and that's okay but the chimp will say no that was directed at you that was aimed at you get stressed overtake him and you have this kind of constant battle all the time but there's certain things you can do to I've kind of gone off track but there's so many things you can do to help yourself to balance get rid of that chimp calm him down cage him or whatever it happens to be and calm your conscious mind slow it down or quieten it down and then let the subconscious mind really take over so we were talking about some things that you learned about yourself that weren't helping and one of them was listening to this Mm. negative voice this inner critic and we were talking then about how the subconscious mind listens to that and effectively manifests what you see in your life so you mentioned affirmations and I think lots of people listening will be Mm. will be aware of that but also you mentioned what the subconscious mind is interested in is our feeling yes so can you talk to that what does that mean and how does someone use that who might be feeling as we were talking about earlier how you were back you know way back when out of control stressed depressed Mm. how can someone use the subconscious mind to overcome some of those the first thing that anyone who's feeling stressed or anxious and lost helpless out of the depth that kind of thing and it's going to sound I hope it doesn't sound pedantic but it's relaxing it's learning to relax learning to reconnect with that part of you that was that carefree person once upon a time we were all carefree once upon a time when we're born when your little babies are born when you see them so they come into this world they're a beautiful blank canvas so they're so present 
Yes, absolutely. That's your default mode. That's everyone's default mode. And then what happens, life happens. The thing is, though, is that when you say to someone who might be listening in Mm. that state or has experienced that state, and I've experienced that state, if Mm. someone said to me, just relax, I would be like, are you kidding me? It's annoying. My life feels like it's falling from under my feet. Mm. I'm putting out fires everywhere. I feel totally disconnected from myself. You know, I've had experience of using things to numb my feelings. If someone would have said to me, just relax, I honestly, firstly, wouldn't have known what that meant. I used to think that relaxing meant watching a movie Mm. (laughs) or going out with my friends and drinking. And secondly, I just, I feel like that would have felt like such a I mean I know it's true I know what you're saying is right but for people listening I think sometimes that can feel like such a platitude for what can seem like such an insurmountable black hole if they're depressed or anxious so firstly what does tree relaxation look like Mm -hmm. and how does it help even though it seems very counterintuitive to the size of challenging feelings someone might have yeah it absolutely does and you're right if anybody says to anyone who's stressed just calm down oh my god you're gonna punch them right exactly yeah calm down breathe this kind of thing is unhelpful so when i say learn to relax there's certain things we can do that'll be physiological things that we can do that has been proven in clinical trials we can measure the brain activity when we relax and we now know have known for many years really how to implement that ourselves with breathing for instance breathing exercises i always teach 7-eleven breathing yep diaphragmatic breathing it's slow breathing so it's in for seven out in, for 11 yes in for seven out for 11 i use that there's different interpretations of that but what we're going to do with the breathing technique the 7-eleven in particular you're breathing in and you're expanding your lungs to take up this entire torso imagining breathing in as deeply as you can and counting helps distract so but also it gives you an idea of the pace then you're breathing out from the stomach you're pushing the air out from the bottom of your lungs now what that does in that sequence over a certain amount of time say one minute is all it takes it triggers the vagus nerve so the vagus nerve is the top of the tree to your central nervous system i always think of a christmas tree and you've got the star or the angel or whatever it is on the top it runs from the base of the skull right the way down to the tailbone to passes nearly all your major organs along the way so on that central nervous system you've got the sympathetic nervous system and parasympathetic so the sympathetic nervous system is your fight and flight it's actually fight freeze and flight which will fill you full of adrenaline and course are ready to take something on so you're going to take on the saber-toothed tiger or you're going to run from it or you're going to freeze and hope it doesn't see you or professional athletes will use that there's a place for that fight and flight for that adrenaline and cortisol most of us find that we're running on that a lot but we don't need it we need it for short bursts of energy that's where burnout and stress exactly yeah yeah and it can cause such an imbalance so you're full of all the and the body becomes acidic so it can become ill all kinds of things happen so yeah ibs for sure yeah hypnotherapy works great for ibs it really has great results however when you're doing this breath and you're activating the parasympathetic nervous system which is your rest and digest it's your relax response so the vagus nerve through that breathing is flooding the body with the four chemicals that i mentioned to you and more so endorphins who doesn't love an endorphin rush when you're holding your baby when you've just given birth to that baby or when you're when you're in love or when you're on holiday 
it's an endorphin rush and that breath will produce that endorphin rush whether you think it can or whether you think it can't it does yeah so it doesn't has, matter if you believe doesn't it doesn't matter because it has a physiological change the cortisol and adrenaline are dissipating and all those happy chemicals are flooded through the body now if you want to work a little bit hard at getting that anxiety back that sounds facetious but we have to put a lot of energy into feeling anxious feeling calm takes no energy you think about when you're on holiday and you're relaxed you don't put energy into that do you there's no energy you're just you're relaxing you're in a hypnotic trance a lot of that time and your body is full of those wonderful chemicals but then when we are stressed and you say when you were saying to me that your thinking goes all, mm. all over the place that takes a lot of energy you could probably light the city of london with the energy that it takes to do that so recognizing you're stressed or anxious recognizing those triggers and signals and then taking yourself away from a situation even if you need to sit in the bathroom takes one minute to breathe and change the brain chemistry come out start again you can do it as often as you like i did it yesterday morning traveling to my clinic in harley street i found myself in a piccadilly circus because i wasn't listening to my sat nav which I often don't do anyway. So I was in the middle of the Piccadilly Circus. Everything was at a standstill. I could feel myself becoming anxious. And I just did some breathing. And I could swear that the taxi driver was looking at me a bit funny who's stuck next to me. Probably thought I was in labour or something. I'm going, <sighs> just doing this breathing. Because traffic doesn't care that I'm getting stressed. I'm the one who cares I'm getting stressed. And I relaxed myself with my breathing. I turned a left into Regent Street and I was at the clinic six minutes later. So... It really is that easy to calm yourself in one minute. I teach that breath a lot. Yeah, and I think that's really helpful when you're in the moment yeah. of, like you said, in the traffic mm. jam, when you're experiencing that peak of anxiety. Because yeah. I had an amazing guy on the podcast, talks a lot about this, Mastin Kip. He puts a trauma spin. It's fascinating. If you haven't listened, I'd go and listen to the episode too. Talks a I lot know. about the Vegas yeah. nerve. But he said, you can't be anxious and breathing out at the same time. Yes, I'd never heard it said that way. And it's, I found that really, really helpful like in the moment. And it's true. Yes. So that's the moment we've talked yes. about when you're feeling mm. anxious. Yeah. How would you help someone who, outside of that one moment of peak anxiety, mm. so someone who's feeling anxious, mm. low-level anxiety a lot or all of the time? Yeah. We've talked about inner work. How mm. would you help someone work out, why am I feeling anxious? Yeah. You know, what is this trying to tell me is you know do you believe that anxiety is sometimes a signal to look at our lives so it'd be really interesting to get your view on that okay in therapy in hypnotherapy i'm a solution focused therapist so although it's great to have background and history with clients they don't need to give me that background and history ultimately as we're working that comes out but the way i work in therapy is for my clients to find their own answers, their own tools and resources within themselves. So instead of that analogy of opening the doors outward, we're opening doors inward. So you can find out reasons for the way you're feeling, even if you weren't aware of them. Some people don't know what the problem was, as I didn't. I didn't know why I was feeling so stressed and anxious and why I became a hypochondriac. But when I started to look in, I had a lot of forgiveness to do. I had things to work on in my past and my upbringing 
you know, the way my parents were and how we moved schools and we travelled and I, we immigrated to this country and all that kind of thing. I had to go back and look at that and recognise that I had everything within myself to deal with that. I didn't need to bring the past forward with me. It doesn't belong here. I can take lessons from it, but I don't need to be in the past and live in the past and think about the past and then doing the blame game. Oh, well, I'm like this because my father left or I'm like this because we left the country and, and all of this thing and just take responsibility. So in hypnosis, this is what we do or in hypnotherapy, this is what we do. So we relax the body, then we relax the mind and it's all creative visualization. And we spoke earlier or briefly about meditation. Hypnotherapy is a guided meditation. So for people that find it difficult to meditate, hypnotherapy is perfect mm-hmm. because that's what it is. So we're in a deep, deep theta brainwave, not delta. I don't want people to be asleep. And whatever comes into your mind is fine. It's your subconscious mind knows what you need. So what sort of things would you ask someone to visualize in that state in order to free them from the past and truly come into the present? Well, that's interesting. Everyone is different. So although I'm a talker, which you've probably now noticed, I like to think I'm a good listener, so I'll listen. And during conversations, during consultations, I will pick up on things that have made my clients happy in the past. For instance, maybe they're keen dog walkers. Maybe they love to be by the ocean. Maybe they love to be near nature. Maybe they love to be holding their babies, whatever that happens to be. So we'll relax and then I'll suggest that they might visualise something that releases endorphins. So we're in that place. Now, the conscious mind can be doing whatever it likes, but in hypnotherapy, the way that we speak, the tone, intonation, the metaphor, the subconscious mind picks up everything it's that it needs anyway, to. isn't it? Yes. Yep. And as well as listening to everything it needs to listen to, it can dismiss anything it doesn't want to listen to. Never to be confused with stage hypnosis. People often say to me, oh, what's going to happen? Am I going to be clucking like a chicken or are you going to put things in my mind? Can you read my mind? That's something. Can you imagine with all my kids, if I could read minds, happy days. <laughs> or, or maybe could, not. <laughs> oh, yeah, maybe not. If I could control minds, that would be good, wouldn't it? I could kick back with my feet up, housework's done, meals are cooked, happy children, or happy mother. But no, it's none of that. It's about hypnotherapy is a state of focused concentration, focused awareness. And we're in hypnosis many times a day. When you're watching a movie, you mentioned about relaxing. It is a relaxation to get involved into a movie because your subconscious mind will imagine that you're there and it's relaxing, unless you're watching Game of Thrones, (laughs) which isn't quite relaxing. So you're in a state of hypnosis when you read a good book, when you're engrossed. You're in a hypnotic trance when you do the school run very often because you don't focus on the steps you're taking. You're so used to doing that. It's habitual. Subconscious mind is taking you through the motions when you learn to drive a car, ride a bike, swim, read, write. You've only got to do those things a little while before it becomes a habit. It's subconscious mind knows what to do. And I've gone right off track, haven't I? Because this is what I do. <laughs> I, I ramble. Um, so we were talking about... Oh, what would I suggest? Yeah, what would you suggest? No, what would, yeah, the suggestions that we make in therapy is entirely down to the individual. And I freestyle, I often go into a hypnotic trance myself when I'm talking. So we just get on a level. So when you're in that relaxed state, the answers just seem to come. When at the end of a therapy session, 
you just feel relaxed, you feel energized, you feel it's like you've pressed a mental reboot button and that's what you've done. So if you've learnt patterns of behavior, then you can unlearn or learn new patterns of behavior. You've really got to do them a few times before they become your new way of being and thinking. So in hypnosis, the answer to your question is everybody's different. I make suggestions that I feel would resonate with the individual. And then in that journey, depending what the issue that they're trying to deal with, answers come, uh, clarity. So when you're thinking and you're all confused, the hypnosis will take you to a really focused state of attention so that you can think clearly, make rational decisions, be calm in situations that may have made you anxious. Just a, a re reinstating the, your natural rhythm. You see, life doesn't have to be a struggle. I really believe this, and sometimes we can make it that way. Nature doesn't struggle. Grass doesn't struggle to come up through the soil. Plants don't struggle to come into existence, and we're all part of that existence. We're all part of that nature. And we but they trust, don't they? You don't see a tree thinking, why haven't I grown yet? <laughs> exactly. No, they don't compare to the tree next to them. Uh, yeah, that's They right. don't try and control. They just yes. are. I love that. And I think that's yeah. sometimes what I think about when I'm trying to be like, I want it to happen quicker. I want it to happen this way. Or, yeah. you know, when I get into control mm-hmm. and from there, you know, I, that's stress, isn't it? Yeah, I really like that though. But yeah, because they trust. If you trust that something's going to happen for you, rather than wishing or hoping or praying or forcing things round peg square hole, this kind of thing. People do that a lot in relationships. So when I see clients who are struggling to make a relationship work because they want this other person to hear them, to understand them or to behave differently. But once you let that person be who they are and accept who they are, as I did with my first husband, although I didn't know I was doing that, but now I do know that I did that, just accept them let them be true to themselves and you be true to yourselves and sometimes things work life is often like a play and there's people that have a big part in your play and there's people that have bit parts in your play and some people have a big impact and some people don't it's all about how you visualize yourself as being controlled or being the controller in neurology They can tell you everything that each part of the brain does. This part of the brain does this, this does that. This is the control room. Every part, but no one can ever locate the controller. That's your subconscious. That's your essence, your spirit, your soul. That's the you that looks out from behind your eyes. So in hypnosis, you get back in touch with that inner you. You just get rid of all the stuff, get rid of all the baggage. Sometimes we carry so much stuff around. It's like you're wearing a huge backpack with bricks and concrete in. You can just start to offload that. And it's liberating to realize how much control we have. Really quickly, going back to the breath, I wanted to make this point. If we're talking about control, people think they are not in control. They are. We all are in control of us. Okay, not externally. It's like imagining you could control the weather. We can't, but you control how you dress for the weather, whether you leave the house in the weather. So with this diaphragmatic breathing, the 7-Eleven breath, in the space of that one minute, not only will you control your breath, and that breath is an automatic bodily function, yet you're controlling it. You'll lower your own heart rate. You'll lower your blood pressure. You'll release endorphins. So if that isn't the epitome of self-control, I don't know what is. So you can control the physiological response of your body. 
Another thing about trusting, like with the analogy about the trees and things that grow with trust, if you were to cut yourself, you don't worry that the cut won't heal itself, that the skin won't fuse back together. You trust it will, and so it does. But you could pick at it, pick at it and pick at it, and not trust it and worry about it and bother it, and then maybe that would get bigger, that cut, and maybe it wouldn't heal because that's what you're focusing on, picking at it, picking at it, feeding it, fueling it, you know, and but the subconscious mind doesn't need that kind of help. You can really trust it to do what it does. Mm. Yeah. Gorgeous. Well, I always ask the same question at the end of every um, mm. interview, which is if you could give just one gift to all the mums in the world, mm. what would it be and why? Gosh, uh, I thought about that. I am a mother and a grandmother and a stepmother and a step-grandmother, all of that. And I'm enjoying my grandchildren so much it's unbelievable more than the first time with your children I have to say yes because I worked I was stressed I was going through divorces and all that kind of stuff so my gift if that's the right my 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 pearl of wisdom I would say to all mums please try and be present I feel almost robbed of the time I could have spent with my children by spending so much time worrying or being anxious, or getting involved in trying to fix relationships, and working so hard to provide for them. But really, it's about love. So if I could turn the clocks back, the only thing I change, nothing else, the only thing I change is being more present in the moments. And my baby is six foot four, big hairy guy, rugby player. I just want to carry him and pick him up and hug him. He still loves that, by the way, not the carrying and picking up. But the, <laughs> I just say, please be present, mindful. Mindfulness, I love it. Some was an, a topic for another day. Be mindful, be present, enjoy those moments because I can tell you from experience, the last 30 years for me have gone in a flash. And now, thank goodness, I'm able to have this with my grandchildren, but it's not in the same way. So, yeah, be present, please. That's my little tip or pearl of wisdom or wish for mothers out there. I know life gets crazy and busy, but enjoy every moment. Be present because it doesn't last long. Gorgeous. Thank you. So that's it. Thank you for listening to the episode. I hope you really enjoyed it. And if you did, please do leave a review on iTunes. It does make a massive difference to the number of mums that we can reach with this content. If you were listening to that episode, thinking about one of your friends that they might benefit from what we were chatting about, then just tag them in on Instagram. My bio will include the link to the podcast so they can find it really easily from there. People often tell me they're desperate to share it with their friends. So if that's you, then please do. I feel like the guests that we have on the podcast, their wisdom just deserves to be heard far and wide. So help me make that happen. I'd be very grateful. And also, if you want to send me any comments or thoughts about the episode, then please pop over onto Instagram at motherkind underscore Zoe. And also just to let you know about my coaching. So I do work one-on-one with mums on my programme which is a three-month program called Reconnect to You. So if you want to work with me on taking your power back in any area of your life, then please do get in touch. Just drop me an email, zoe at motherkind.co or look on the website, www.motherkind.co. That's it. And I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day. Take care.